BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is a transformative time for black America. Our income is at an all-time high, and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. Welcome to the Business of Esports podcast, the official podcast of esports. We explore the intersection of business and esports, one of the fastest growing industries in the world and the future of fun. Please welcome your host, Paul, the esports prophet, Dawalibi. The Business of Esports podcast begins now. From the keyboard to the boardroom, this is the Business of Esports podcast. I am Paul, the prophet, Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, the Honorable Judge Jimmy Barada. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of esports. What we do is we cover the most pressing gaming and esports topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the five-star ratings and reviews, all the love you give the podcast. It's humbling. I promise we read all of them. If you haven't yet, do two things for me. Go leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast and share the podcast with a friend, a colleague, someone you know who's interested in gaming in general. We really appreciate it. That's how the podcast has continued to grow. Jimmy, how are you doing this week? Hey, Paul, doing great. Really excited for our show today. Super excited for the live show that we have a recording after this as well. For those of you that, that know and for those that don't, every Wednesday, uh, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern, we do a live news show where we talk about all the week's hottest you know, trends, events, headlines with a, a roundtable of industry experts. And of course, we get uh, your comments and, and your questions during the show live as well. So that's always fun. And 
I, I don't know, Paul, I just feel like right now the news this week and last week are are just so insane, right? It's just going to be a really fun discussion to hear all the all the different angles, perspectives of, of everything going on right now. I don't want to tease too much, but if you haven't been a part of the live show, definitely show up. I think you guys are going to love it. It's always a good time. I always, I always like to ask you, though, how your gaming week has been. <laughs> um, because, you know, this week, the big, the, the stuff that I've been watching, at least on Twitch this week, is everyone playing the not so new expansion for world of warcraft right like the re-release of wrath of the lich king uh obviously i watch a lot of the otk guys who who are playing it but have you have you managed like you're you're this is not going to get you back into this won't get you into wow right i mean i i that's that's the key right is the new customer i don't think they're going to attract anyone new that they don't already have it's a nostalgia play right it's come relive what you loved 15 years ago because we haven't done anything unique since then how far do you go back like meaning how far should they go with it should they you think they should re-release every expansion they ever made no i think they should release new content new ip <laughs> i think they should release wow mobile that they that they canceled after dropping who knows how many tens of millions in development but but no i mean they're not going to get me back for it i i played the, the last re-release what was it vanilla and that was uh that was pretty fun i know you got pretty into that as well and then mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, I've got a family and a wife and uh, I you know, need to do things. So unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to, to continue uh, down that rabbit hole. But it's a fascinating like, business mm-hmm. story because I, I, I really am curious what yeah. they're thinking in terms of how far they're going to go. Do you re-release every expansion to present day? And then what do you do? Do you go back and start over again? Like. I would imagine this was already in the works before the Microsoft acquisition, right? So maybe it was too far to pull the plug or they just agreed with that with that um, strategy and that runway. But yeah, I, I can't, honestly, I just can't see them re-releasing everything. That's so lazy. Well, and you have to think that the pool of users is getting smaller, right? right. Meaning if 5 million people played classic wow some smaller percentage will have continued probably with burning crusade and some smaller percentage will right like meaning i feel like the 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 audience who's there for the nostalgia gets smaller and smaller it's not like you bring in someone brand new who's like yeah i really want to get into replaying old expansions even though i i didn't play the first two or something right like but that number has to be enough to justify the the cost right they're gonna keep milking this i I truly (laughs) think there's probably no cost uh to any of this and if they're gonna re-release make something different i like i'm amazed that they're again they could have they could and this is a perfect segue into our amazing guest this week why not do all of the in-game items as nfts all of a sudden right just because something new re-release classic wow but everything you earn in game is an nft if you could own your wow armor and then put that on your avatar in the metaverse wouldn't that be the dream right because that's the whole point of wearing the I armor know. around my frost oh, saber yeah. mount <laughs> <laughs> there's a few thousand hours in that it's like come on that's what that's the wow world i want to live in one day <laughs> <laughs> um that's a good segue we've got uh, amazing amazing guests this week who are here to talk about things like nft and crypto and web3 and all the stuff that they are experts in we have none other on the show today ivan khan and jeffrey mcganis uh, both are co-founders of crowd create crowd creates a marketing agency for this gaming web3 world I will let them talk about it. Ivan Jeffrey, welcome to the Business of Esports podcast. Thank you for having us. Pretty excited. Hi, Paul. Hi, Jimmy. 
Guys, for, for those who don't know you, I'd love a little bit of your backgrounds, how you got into gaming in general or doing what you're doing today, and a little bit of the crowd create story, like what you guys actually do. Sounds good. Uh, so as an introduction, crowd create. So we're a leading marketing agency that specializes in blockchain technology, crypto, NFTs, gaming, Web3. Uh, we've been doing this since 2017, have gone through multiple bear and bull markets. And we're one of the few firms that are still around. So we basically provide the strategies on how to build, grow, and scale your crypto project. And in terms of how Ivan and I met, we went to college together, grew up playing Super Smash Brothers in our college apartments. And it was a, a lot of fun. So I can share with you this. Uh, when you're supposed to be studying for your final exam, you're actually, you know, doing some battling in Super Smash Brothers. Uh, I remember, you know, when we first started playing games, it was like Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike was the, the game of our generation. And that was like, you go to those like computer cafes, you spend spend more time than you'd admit at those places. But yeah, it's it's been an exciting ride. And, you know, I see that the gaming and esports world are starting to uh, embrace, uh, you know, crypto blockchain, but more specifically like the NFT side, fractionalized ownerships, bringing avatars exactly like what you're talking between games. So it's pretty exciting in that, you know, if this were to work, you could bring over those armors that you have from World of Warcraft to those new expansions. And that's kind of the dream. Then bring it to the metaverse, you know, hang out for New Year's and come back to your <laughs> World of Warcraft. But just a quick introduction. Yeah, we met in college in terms of games. I've always been a casual gamer, fascinated with, you know, StarCraft. Uh, that was probably my high school days. Most recently, jumping back into some games, um, casual gamer played Stray, looking forward to Starfield uh, because I'm, an, I'm a space NASA kind of kind of <laughs> guy. And so that really fascinates me. Guys, what was the impetus for CrowdCreate? Like what was the, what was the thing that, that made you guys decide you wanted to get into building an agency around, call it this new world? And in 2017, a lot of this stuff was really less familiar to most people. So what made you guys decide? Yeah. So in 2017 is when we entered the crypto space. I'd actually rewind that a little further. And we started the company in 2014. So in 2014, we ran uh, crowdfunding campaigns. So if you're familiar with like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and just the concept of building communities behind passionate projects. So in 2014, we launched the first wireless earbud before Apple AirPods came out. And it was kind of like, is this even possible? Can I go running without wires like, you know, dangling out of my head? And so that was kind of the beginning uh, and hence the name CrowdCrate, because, you know, if you can build a community with a crowd, you know, they can solve humanity's biggest problems from, you know, creating the first wireless earbud or to, you know, decentralized fractional ownership of real estate or even, you know, financing mechanisms for people around the world, like you know, new countries just coming onto blockchain. Yeah, that's kind of our our entry point. Crowdfunding is one thing. This is very finance financing focused, even though I know today this is one of the services you provide, right? Like financing, raising money uh, for companies and projects. But how do you go from that to sort of really being, you know, one of the major leaders on the crypto marketing side? Like how, how did you decide to go all in on that? And, and again, what was sort of that moment where the decision seemed obvious to you guys? Yeah. So we've always been on the cusp of emerging technologies. Back in 2014, as Ivan mentioned, Kickstarter and Indiegogo was revolutionary that an entrepreneur can literally take an idea, post it to a crowdfunding platform and raise capital to build out the future, to, to live their dreams. And we realized that there's millions of people that wanted to support and be a part of this bigger vision. 
And so in 2017, you know, we started learning about the Ethereum ICO and the ICO craze kind of happened. And it was used as this fundraising mechanism to jumpstart projects. I mean, there was a machine learning, deep AI, there was also the, the future of gaming. And so we've always gravitated, been attracted by these just passionate entrepreneurs and builders in um, what's now like the metaverse and Web3 and whatnot. And so we realized that, you know, that they say the future of the future of the internet is going to be on like Web3 metaverse and, and this, uh, this new infrastructure. And so we kind of went all in on it. As far as CrowdCreate as a company and the services, we've kind of hinted at a few different pillars now. Would love to get not just now the inspiration behind it, but rather the three, four, five areas that you guys really operate in the services that you're providing uh, a little bit more structure to now, you know, these themes and these interests that, that you've kind of outlined for us. Yeah, so I can share, you know, just just sort of wind it just back a little bit. But the for the moment we jumped into the crypto space, like one of the strengths here at CrowdCrate is that we, we kind of do, do a deep dive. We figure things out. And especially for these like cutting edge industries where it's brand new, it really takes, you know, leadership to just seriously just figure it out. It is changing almost on the weekly. It's like the only way you can figure it out is if you A, hire people that are specific to the industry that are just lovers of the industry, or you just have this like genuine curiosity to just figure things out. So in 2017, when we first jumped into crypto, um, I remember I was like, Jeff, I'm going to build a mining rig. And literally like I watched like how many 50 YouTube videos, seven GPUs later, I literally had an Ethereum mining rig sitting in my WeWork office because WeWork has free electricity. So <laughs> the team's like, I mean, that thing clever. is way too loud and way too hot. I'm like, this is the future. Just let it be. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the the ethos behind what we do. We really figure out how these industries work, how these communities are being built. When it comes to those pillars, uh, I'd really like to focus on a few where we've seen it growing. And I'm going to kind of use broad words and then kind of do a deeper dive into it. But the first one would be influencers. So this could be people with uh, some sort of influence. They have an existing community. So over the years, we've built up these relationships. Uh, and influencers, you know, it's been around for a while. You know, you know, e-commerce brands, you know, mommy bloggers, you have health and wellness. But in the crypto space, who are the influencers is a little different. So this could be like, if you're familiar with the industry, like NFT alpha groups. So we have alpha groups. We have people on Discord, they have their own following or they're even like Patreon groups could be the same. Uh, we have Twitter spaces, we have traditional YouTube and Twitter influencers. So that all falls under the, you know, the pillar of what an influencer is. That's one of the main pillars. The second pillar is really PR, right? So we are official partners with uh, major publications like Cointelegraph. We've been working with these crypto Web3 specific publications for a very long time now. So, you know, get your brand out there, get your project out there. PR is one of the major uh, pillars. And the third one is community building. Kind of save this one for last because it is a rather large pillar. It's the one that holds all the NFT crypto projects up of today. And you just look at the gaming community, like, like what you were talking about, Paul, earlier, like these Twitch uh, streams, like they have massive, massive followings. I forget the name of the one influencer, but he just came out of a mouse an RGB mouse, and he literally sold out a bajillions. Tens. Yeah, tens, tens. I, I keep forgetting his name, but he literally like dropped his mouse and his like, I mean, I watch his stuff occasionally. He's a pretty funny guy, but like incredible, like the power of these communities. So that's our third pillar. 
where we help these projects build their community. It could live in Discord. It could live <laughs> on Twitter. It can even be, it can live in the real life or in the metaverse. That encompasses things like, you know, social media management, community management, offline events, conference appearances. So that's where I would fit those three pillars in uh, here at CrowdCreate. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by The American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, The American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. I mean, the cool thing is those three pillars are very much like interconnected also. The community, PR, influencer, the, these things, there's, there's overlap between these three pillars, right? They're definitely not standalone in my mind. Yeah. So Paul, at the, at the core of it is really strategy. And so we're under NDA with some very large game publishers and companies, but basically whether they're a traditional Web 2 or even just game from our childhood, they now want to get into Web3, NFTs, and crypto, and they just want to understand the landscape. And then we basically, you know, introduce them to strategic partners, the right, you know, influencers or people of influence, you know, because also developers, different gamers, they're of influence. And then also, how do you do your messaging, which PR outlets and news publications you want to align with? We make the recommendation to our clients uh, to your podcast and say, you know, Paul and, and Jimmy are great people to really share your voice or messaging who you want to attract to your platform. 
And that's uh, ultimately what we do at, at the high level is just, okay, this is the new technology. How does it all work? Who should we work with, et cetera? And to be able to do that, you guys really need to understand the entire ecosystem, right? And not only that, but the subtleties of it. And, and this is sort of where I want to go with this conversation, because I think the intersection between gaming and crypto is particularly interesting, but there have been sort of stops and starts here, right? Like things that have worked, things that have not. The sort of the TLDR is Web3 games are probably attracting more money even today with so-called crypto winter than any other gaming companies on the planet, right? Web3 games are raising a ton of money. There's a ton of excitement and hype around it. Do you guys think, A, this is the future? Is it sustainable? Do you think that this is crypt the crypto world latching on to gaming? Like, how, how do you guys look at, and then particularly, sorry to put a lot of questions all in one, you know, your relationships with the publishers is interesting because as you're helping them navigate this world, right? Like, what is the advice you're giving them on, you know, Web3 gaming as it pertains to their very traditional gaming business? Yeah, I can, I can tackle this one and Jeff, feel free to chime in. But, you know, for me, when you ask, you know, is is Web3 just latching on to the gaming industry? I would say the gaming industry is, it's literally the, the future. Like our economies, our, our entire entertainment, everything is going to live inside of the gaming sphere. You know, I, I see my, I have like nieces and nephews. They're playing games left and right. They're, they're picking up like, you know, verbal cues or even like slogans from games. Like they, they live on Twitch. They're watching, they're not even, sometimes they're not even playing games. They're just watching games. So I do feel like the, the next entire generation is going to be, it's going to have some gaming type aspect. And even like metaverses, those are essentially gamified experiences. In my opinion, I don't think that the crypto world is just kind of latching on to uh, the gaming. In fact, a lot of the projects are from the traditional gaming world, which I would call in many cases, the web two world. And they're picking up web three points. Uh, for example, uh, I don't know if you saw, I'm pretty sure you saw uh, the game Nino Kuni. So yeah. Nino Kuni, this is uh, Hayao Miyazaki's a studio did a collab and there's a massive blockchain component under the under the hood so i'm seeing more and more kind of gaming companies move into the web3 space another example uh, i don't know if you saw this project called ready player me uh, but they just raised a massive amount of funding huge but round. Yep. huge round led by i think it was andreessen but you know they are pushing cross game avatar so a lot of times these Web3 companies are building things that sit on a layer above that games can integrate with, for example, the avatar system. I think that's a long answer for your, your question, but yeah, Jeff, you have anything to add there? Yeah, you know, good though. You, you really hit it, Paul, in terms of, um, you know, a lot of these projects are raising capital and is this sustainable? We believe that Web3 and the metaverse will be invisible the same way that we are using the internet today and we're in the early stages of the internet. But, you know, we don't really think about the back end of this call, but it's using these protocols, these frameworks, the technology in terms of connecting us together, audio and video. You also mentioned the start and stop that has been going on. And that's really from a strategy standpoint, when we talk to our clients, you know, for better or for worse, it's been an experiment. It's been a learning lesson where all the lessons in this last play to earn phase of, of crypto and gaming that has happened, projects have learned from it and have iterated. And as of now, it's being called play and own, which is we grew up playing video games, but how cool would it be if, if the skin, like you mentioned in the introduction, 
if I still own the skin that I was using back when I was a kid or college and I can take that character and put it into the next game, which is the promise of, of, of Web3 and, and asset ownerships that I could take my character from Super Smash Brothers and maybe put it into Grand Theft Auto or put it into the next um, car racing game and, the, and on, and you can carry those with you. I'm curious, Jeff, and feel free to expand upon this, but just since you had brought it up, obviously without specific reference to any of your clients, because as you mentioned, you know, under NDA and, and certain projects best uh, not you know specifically addressed, but when you're consulting for these developers or for these larger clients of yours, and you mentioned kind of being those relationship makers for them, being advisors and experts in the space, specifically with regard now to play and earn, play and own, uh, what have you, digital ownership of goods, what are you noticing as far as preferences, as far as you know, what, what kind of questions are you answering specifically? Are these developers really interested in allowing ownership of an in-game skin so that they can buy and sell within that game's economy? Are you seeing a lot of them that want that skin or those digital items to be usable outside of that game and in other metaverses or in other digital environments? I'm just curious, more specifically, I suppose, some of those um, conversations that you guys are having. Yeah, so there's a multiple partners in the ecosystem. So on one side is, well, there's the VC investor. And so we get projects asking us, what are VC investors looking at currently? And so, you know, with that, actually talented web two gaming developers that know how to build projects and titles that people actually want to play. That's the, the biggest sustainability of it all is a great uh, experience. And so that's what projects ask us. And then projects ask us also from the users, the, the, in, the influencers and the true gamers out there, you know, what are they looking at? And that's typically a, a easy onboarding Say, for example, a sustainable, you know, getting really technical into the tokenomics, a sustainable economy where it is not just dependent on new users, but of the existing ecosystem, how they interact with it, how they trade and whatnot. And the whole idea of skins, right, are, have been extremely popular in current uh, days. But the, the future is that you can actually, I don't know if you've seen that you can lend your skin to somebody to use in the game in the same way you have a rental investment property and you take a percentage ownership on it. There's the technical capability now that you would be able to lend it out. They use it for in-game play. You make revenues and royalties. And so the Web3 is bridging entertainment, finance, asset ownership, automation, smart contracts. And it's, it's we've, you really, the future is just getting started for this. Do you guys not think that the big AAA game publishers will fight this? You know, they may give it lip service initially. Really, they want to maintain sort of their, you know, closed ecosystems because they think they can make more money that way. Like, how do you feel about sort of the incentives for the big game developers today to sort of see and buy into the future that you guys are painting? Yeah, so I know, I know for these big game developers, like everybody knows who they are, but a lot of them have tried to embrace like Web3 and NFTs. And essentially these gaming studios, they, they have these walled gardens, like they want you to stay inside their ecosystem. They don't want you know to jump to even like the, the rendering engines, right? They want you to stay in Unreal. They don't want you to move to Unity. They, they want you to stay in there. And sometimes they have their own proprietary rendering engine. So intrinsically, these, these game studios have an incentive to keep you in there. PlayStation wants you to stay in PlayStation. They don't want you to move the Xbox. So that is something that we have spoken to a lot of publishers and they're still trying to figure this out. It's very challenging because like the earlier topic I said, some of them have tried coming out the gates and then the fans, you know, respond, you know, in some cases negatively. 
And so they're they're trying to walk this fine line in that they have this really strong audience and community, but that community hasn't really turned on to these new like fractionalized ownership structures. So that's why we're seeing the older game publishers go a little bit slower. It's actually giving a big opportunity for startups like Ready Player Me to build a module that sits on top and it could be integrated into the Xbox avatar system. I see it as there's an opportunity, but I am seeing... Let's say from these big publishers, they are turning it on slowly, like Nino Kuni, that's a a good example. But the blockchain aspect was kind of like a secondary thought, but it is built in and they're trying to build up this like, hey, now you can bring your character to the next iteration of the game. But it is like what Jeff was saying, the whole industry is kind of experimenting right now. We're in an experimental phase. And I can tell you, we're having a lot of talks with these major publishers and they are just as concerned about like you know their community that they that they own and how it's going to react to new changes like these. Can we dive into that community aspect for a second? Because on the podcast, we've had discussions around studies that have been done that show a majority of gamers. Like I think the study we saw was a YouGov study where fifty six percent of gamers would give up their traditional bank for a crypto wallet. And so you look at that study and you conclude there's a lot of overlap, right? There's a lot of gamers who are also crypto enthusiasts or at least open to it. How do you guys sort of take that and match it up to sort of the empirical evidence, which seems like a lot of gamers have rejected at least some of the in-game NFT stuff, right? Like Ubisoft had a quite a bit of backlash. Like how, how do you explain these two communities, you know, are they the same? Are they different? How do you guys look at them? In terms of how we look at them for every project, it typically starts with very like first principles thinking. And some of the backlash that we've seen across the industry, if players felt that it was a cash grab, that there was this part where they were being taken advantage of in the world of Web3, it's all about being inclusive. You know, going back to the original question was these AAA game publishers at the core of it, we're actually pitching them and we, we refine our pitch and we give them tons of ideas. And at the core, what they really want to do is engage new audiences and activate their existing audiences with new experiences. And, you know, over COVID, there's a virtual concerts uh, and whatnot. But in terms of like these communities, are they mutually exclusive or are they one in the same? And really, how do you bring those together? It's it's an art, you know, it's a delicate balance and, and doing it with authenticity is that is that we've seen has worked really well in terms of storytelling, collaborating with different artists in the industry. But yeah, community building, it's it's very much a art in terms of how do, how do you do that and how do you understand from your user what they want, how to give them a better experience with the technology that's available. So you agree with that data point, right? That, that that the gaming community and crypto communities are essentially the same or at least share a lot of similar interests, right? They're not, they're, it's not oil and water here, right? No, <laughs> the, way, the way I see it, it's almost like a Venn diagram. So you have these, you know, two big circles. You have the Web3, the central world, and you have the gaming community. There's this cross section, you know, the, the pie that sits in between. But the problem is it's, it's essentially it falls into what Jeff shared earlier. Until the technology becomes so easy to use that it disappears into the background, it will not fully overlap. And that being said, like, let's say right now I have a casual gamer. I'm, I don't know, say my, my niece, she's like 10, she just turned 10. Imagine how hard is it for her to create a ledger wallet, or let's say even easier, a MetaMask uh, app instantly. It's too 
too difficult. Let it, I don't know how she's going to memorize so many uh, address uh, characters. <laughs> it's just not as easy to onboard. Like, let's say you play a game, or I just bought her a Tamagotchi for Christmas. And like, how easy is it? You just turn it on, put in your name, boom, you're pl- you're feeding this pet, you're, you're training it, you're doing. But then now you take you add an extra layer and it's like, okay, now I got to get a wallet. I got to figure out my keys. I got to write these like 16 words down in a secret place that I will never lose. Like the <laughs> the levels of complexity, just that's the reason why that massive, you know, there's not a full overlap because the difficulty of just getting your foot into the crypto space is still there. I think the whole industry is kind of adapting. It's getting better. I mean, we have like shorteners for Ethereum addresses, uh, Samsung. Every single Samsung phone that you have has a hardware wallet. I don't know if you saw in the news, but Samsung is announcing in 2023 that they're going to be announcing an exchange. So Ooh. like, imagine that you already have a phone, you're already playing mobile games on it. It already has a crypto wallet and now there's an exchange built in. So hardware partners, technology partners are kind of filling in the blanks. But as of right now, both of those audiences are technology enthusiasts, like absolutely. But where it comes down to what they cross is like, Hey, am I am I willing to go that extra step and create you know X, Y, and Z just to have this experience? That's where it's currently falling apart. I wanted to add one more variable to this, Paul, because this is really interesting. Where we're talking about gaming communities, crypto communities, now differences in ages, right, and technology bridging that gap. One more variable, guys, uh, based off of the projects that you've done in different parts of the world, how is geography coming into play now in different regions? Are the communities, do they have similar interests, similar hesitations? Are they addressed in in completely different ways? Would, would love your insight now, taking it one step further. Yeah, those different regions, like let's just say for like United States, like I, I, it's pretty clear like these AAA games are embracing it really, really well. But let's say in, especially in places where the mechanisms or even like the, the cost of living is different, they're embracing different types of gameplay or projects. So a good example that I share is like Axie Infinity. It absolutely caught fire in, you know, Southeast Asia because the value, that token stays the same. You know, you have one, you know, currency, it's the same, but it goes so much further in, let's say, you know, Philippines. And so the value of you playing that game or or adopting this new game, you're getting a lot more than, let's say, a casual gamer in the United States, because that that reward mechanism you're getting is so much less. So part of it is like the financial mechanisms and what the reward is. Also, other regions have different norms that they do. And I'm going to kind of give an example to color but let's say i just i just had a project in africa pitch me their project they're saying that the main technology is called sms bridging i was like what is sms bridging like why is that in a financial model like i just go to the app and i send money he's like no in africa like you have to send a text to the like bank enter in some codes enter in the code of your friend and then that's how you send money like it's all through sms countries like they have their own nuances and that's the, one of the challenges of like approaching a new region Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger 
feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. You know, you mentioned Axie Infinity, guys. You've worked with some of the biggest names in Web3, like Axie Infinity and Animoca and Sandbox, right? Like the, sort of the who's who of everyone in Web3 and Web3 gaming. Is there anything you can talk about in terms of success stories or, you know, some of the things you've done with some of these clients that have, has, have been tremendous successes? Anything that, you know, we can get insight for our audience from any of these? Yeah, um, I can share one insight and I can kind of give it at a broad, uh, broad strokes, but let's say Sandbox. So Sandbox is a metaverse experience and what they have been able to do very, very well recently is they're activating well-known influencers and I'll kind of go through them, what it looks like, but they're not just doing like, hey, shout outs or hey, wear my t-shirt, right? They're actually creating experiences inside of their metaverse. So for example, uh, Snoop Dogg, he has, you know, not only is he you know, talking about it, but he has his own mansion. I think Paris Hilton recently just did the same thing. So they're, they're creating the brand partnership, but they're also creating it in game experience. So you can come and, you know, experience it on your own. We were also involved with sandboxes. They did it in real life kind of get together. They had an NFT exhibit at a Beverly Hills mansion. And so they're kind of crossing the borders and that they're just, they're not just a metaverse company, but you know, they're bridging it. They're having experiences in the real life. They're bringing real life people into the metaverse. These kind of like transitions and you see, and kind of what Jeff was saying, like it's building, it's bringing audiences that have not been traditionally in the metaverse world into it by building inside the metaverse world. And yeah, it's all about the experience. Guys, how has this so-called crypto winter affected your business? What has changed for you guys uh, in terms of how you deal with clients, in terms of how you talk to clients and the kind of work you're doing with them? You know, has there been a flight to quality? You know, a lot of people talk about that when there's, you know, tougher times that it sort of shakes out all of the projects that probably shouldn't have existed in the first place. Like, what are you seeing in terms of the, the, the changes, if any, or is it everything just being sort of 
over, you know, is, is just crypto winter such a good tagline for, you know, an article, such clickbait that, you know, everyone's just repeating it in reality, everything's still good. Yeah. In terms of crypto winter, uh, you know, when we went through this in 2017, 2018, it's different this time around because there's so much one capital, but also two people really believe this and know that this is going to be the future technology. And so builders are going to build and actually it's a healthy pace now where the violent markets going up and down, people were chasing, you know, mostly the funding and the profits that it was also causing founders to move away from their principles and kind of doing what's best to build the technology itself and more selling hype and storytelling than actually building that creates value. And so in terms of business itself, we're just as busy as ever. And um, right now, yes, we have noticed this, the attraction of talent and quality from the Web2 world where these very talented game developers, it's awesome seeing, you know, a very famous developer that once made, you know, one of the top playable mobile apps and games is now getting into the Web3 space. We also are talking to, you know, one of the largest film directors in the movie studios now wants to build an NFT blockbuster movie. Uh, and they're using this technology of choice. And it's just incredible the the talent that we're seeing coming into the space, regardless of, of the markets and, and pricing. And just, you know, from the people that we know of, you know, whether... You know, Ethereum's in the in in the I don't know two thousands or whether it's going to be in the twenty thousands for them. It's they're always going to be building whatever technology is needed. So it sounds like uh, just as just as busy, but potentially then maybe new applications or they're still trying to innovate and find new ways to to get involved. Is that a fair summary, Jeff? Yes, and and by far the blockchain uh, activity right now is dominated by gaming. And mm -hmm. if you ask around the crypto NFT community, what is going to be the biggest use case? You know, most people would say that it's going to be that gaming application. And so for us, um, that's where we're kind of doubling down and helping out the ecosystem. Are there any areas of aversion or, or maybe, you know, potential failures or just areas that, that former marketing or former efforts didn't yield as profitable of an ROI or as, 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 you know, beneficial of an outcome as expected that you're noticing clients are like, Hey, let's not do that type of campaign anymore. Let's go here instead. Yeah. So I can share on this one. So with this bear market, previously, a lot of projects were pushing the FOMO extremely hard. It was kind of this greater fool's theory, right? So you invest, you buy the tokens and you hope that the next guy, the guy or girl comes in is going to buy it at a higher price. And it was like, get in now before the next round comes out. That was a lot of the mentality behind these big campaigns, right? It was like, be the first one to get this NFT because, hey, next week it's going to it's gonna go up and then they're going to do an airdrop. And it's going to go up again. It's like, that was the thinking behind the, a lot of the campaigns. Ever since the bear market, that has gone out the door. And people are now looking at projects that are building something, but building something that could have a potential multiplier effect. So if you invest into this project, you buy their token, you buy their NFT, you're buying into an ecosystem that's not just going to be the next person buys it at a higher price. It's what utility am I getting? Why, why is the industry need this? Where is it going? Like, it's not just like what I was saying earlier, like people aren't just selling and buying projects simply because they think someone's going to buy at a higher price. Now they're looking for, is this game actually going to be developed? So a lot of the campaigns that we're working with right now, it's like, it's more focused on 
all right, who are your teams? Have they been there, done it? And then even on the game side, I can tell you six months ago, you know, a cool avatar was enough to get, get your project, uh, you know, in, in the headlines. But now investors and users are saying, where's the beta footage? Uh, where, where's the gameplay demo? Where's the, can we get access to the alpha environment, beta environment? People are asking these types of questions. So a lot of the projects that we're working with, we're kind of advising them the same way. It's like, you have to build more because, you know, people want to see that, you know, they always say bear market is for builders, but are you really building? Or you're just raising money and you're you're gonna jump the moment the money's in. So people are looking at these things more than before. I mean, this sounds like a really good news story then. It avoids a lot of really bad games or games that maybe never even see the light of day, right? Which is even worse. That you know, the project doesn't actually get finished or or ever see, you know, ever get to completion. So it sounds like this is a good development for the industry, right? That it's a positive thing in some ways. Yeah. And it's, it's a shakeout. Like there's a lot of projects that did, that maybe didn't have the right intention or didn't have the right team. And now that their token values are so down, like they're either, you know, they have to close up shop or they have to repivot. So in my opinion, it's kind of a, a big reality check to the industry. I think it's a good thing overall. But you guys are well positioned too, because it, it sounds also like the FOMO became sort of community, right? Like how many people actually care about this game seeing the light of day, for example? actually care about owning the nft or the token and actually care to be a part of you know whatever they're building versus you know we sort of don't care whatever the underlying asset is as long as we can flip it to someone for more money exactly right so you you, in some ways it has from what you're saying it sounds like there's not just a flight to quality there's a flight to community exactly and these communities are also rallying up and they're saying kind of the growth the the whole alpha group it's these community groups that kind of formed around projects that they really love. And I'll give you an example, like Yield Guild Games. So Yield Guild Games, like it's a gaming guild. So think of it as kind of a union for gamers. The amount of users that they have is kind of their buying power. So now they're collectively investing in games that they feel like, you know, adds to the entire ecosystem, adds value, is a very interesting, fun to play game. So we're seeing kind of these communities of, they're called alpha groups, they're called guilds, but they're they're kind of the ones deciding where the money's going to go, where, where investment dollars are going to go. So the industry is kind of self-regulating in that, that these groups are, you know, they're either buying into projects, they're bringing in users into these projects, but they're also promoting it. So that's really what's happening right now. What is the one piece of advice? You know, we get a lot of people who listen to our podcast. Obviously, we get a lot of gaming professionals, people who work in the industry, things like that. But it's a lot of people also who are looking to get into it, right? And and want to take advantage of what we all sort of agree is the future. What is the what is the advice you would give to someone that's sort of on the fence? Maybe they're working at a company, maybe they're thinking of starting their own thing, but has seen sort of the general downturn, you know, buys into the vision of Web3 gaming and the intersection of crypto and gaming and, and all these kinds of things and metaverses. What would be your advice to those people in terms of getting started today in what we all agree is maybe more of a bear market? My own personal advice would be whatever it is that you are already interested in, there is probably a Web3 project that exists. So say, for example, uh, the other day, there was a sleep to earn NFT I was like, wow, I love sleeping. And so, <laughs> you know, and so how do you get involved? So the piece of advice would be, you can actually join their community, join their Discord, join their, their Twitter, become a, a moderator, host a session, talk about the vision of how 
NFTs is incentivizing behavior that could help you be healthier and, and live a better life. Or maybe uh, on the gaming side, you know, just there's, there's a number of games and, and new projects that are out there. And the first thing that we see step one is to join the community and be actively engaged in there, test out their demos, give feedback, volunteer as much as you can. There's a number of great conferences and events, both in person and, and virtual that you can really get your hands dirty. And then you're going to start meeting people and opportunities are going to be endless. Many of them you guys host, by the way, uh, <laughs> you put on some great webinars and some great events, which I consider amazing starting points for people. So, yeah, I'd like to answer that advice too. So it's almost piggybacking on what Jeff said. So with, I guess the whole web three, you know, this whole crypto movement, there's access to the founders that has never been available before. Like for example, can I get, you know, Phil, Phil from Xbox, can I, can I jump on a community and just listen to him chat on Twitter spaces? Maybe now actually, cause they're, they're being more proactive, but my gosh, a few years ago, no way, no way. You'll never get his audience, nor can you chat with his senior game developers. Right. But in the web three space, that is at the core of every project. It's the community and it's open. People have asked me this all the time. How do I get into the space? Just jump into their communities. It's literally an exercise in decentralization. Um, and people are just, they're, they're looking for help. They're eager to share. It's kind of the ethos of the whole Web3 community. It's like, hey, these projects are out there for you. Contribute to it, get involved. And who knows, you literally could be one Discord chat away from the founder. And if you want to get involved, that's unprecedented amount of access is what you're getting right now. I, I love this guy. Such fantastic advice for our audience. Jimmy, I don't know if you had anything else before we uh, we pivot here to uh, everyone's favorite new segment. As everyone knows, it's Judge Jimmy's cross-examination. The way this works, if you're new here, Judge Jimmy's going to ask a few rapid-fire questions to both of you, Jeff and Ivan. And the idea is to get to know you a bit better as people, as gamers, as business people. Get to know a little bit sort of behind the scenes. They're easy questions, I promise. Judge Jimmy, take it away. Can I object? <laughs> you can you absolutely can object you would be the first but i welcome it i don't think you'll object to these a, Ivan. a very good lawyer so i don't know if you want to go down that path <laughs> uh let's see first one guys we'll, we'll go ivan then jeff and then jeff then ivan so we can go back and forth and, and you guys alluded to this in the intro portion favorite game of all time oh of all time oh all time would be mario kart 64 Solid. Good game. Good pick. It is. Jeff, how about when you? When you nailed that rainbow, rainbow road shortcut. <laughs> oh, it yeah. Like, it was like in the clouds. <laughs> uh, Bomberman. Oh, you guys are yeah. pulling some old school games in here. Yeah, that's solid. It's such a great game, actually. It was my favorite Nintendo game. Bomberman, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Really good. Just, just since Ivan uh, um, drew on that or fixated on the clarification, uh, starting with you, Jeff, and going back, now we'll go favorite game that you're currently playing. Gosh, business, like literally. <laughs> <laughs> Great irony of doing anything in and around the gaming industry. No one has time to play games. <laughs> so for me, it's it's so funny. Um, my wife is like, why are you spending money on these video games when you have so little time to play? And I'm like, you have to figure it out. Like there's game mechanics that are new with every generation of games. Like you have to learn these things yeah. if you're going to be relevant. So uh, most recently, uh, I played the game Stray. And if you know the story, it's a fascinating story and how they use influencers to kind of build a community. So 
I'm kind of playing it from multiple angles, but personally, a very fun game. Surprisingly, more fun than I expected. I'm going to ask you more about that after the show because I've been wanting to play that one for a minute and I want to get some deeper takes here. Um, all right, last question for both of you guys. This one's a little bit more broader. And if I don't list an IP, feel free to add one if you're like, oh, actually, I, I like prefer this IP, this community. But on the show, we talk a lot about Marvel, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, etc. All these different great brands that have TV shows and movies and storytelling games and mobile games, etc. From a community first perspective, which brand, which IP, which game, etc. do you guys believe has the strongest community supporting them? And it could be Web3. Could be Web3, yeah. yeah again, <laughs> if, I didn't list, if I didn't list one, you feel free to throw one in there. Which publisher? project in, in a more broader sense yeah oh this is this is a hard one because <laughs> you, you have the throwbacks right you have the world of warcraft communities that are just like they live forever <laughs> they don't die <laughs> they don't die they'll die eventually <laughs> i would say it's like some of those like the dota communities the ones that have the the massive esports following like uh, starcraft and with the massive prize monies with those prize monies they bring on like the fascination of a new generation and they they keep those competitions going so i would say like those those types of games quick quick shout out by the way to enthusiast gaming and adrian montgomery right paul on the show a number of months ago talking about their first dota tournament and that's what kind of launched enthusiasts and they never looked back because of the support of that community and how outrageous that weekend uh, live event was so the dota community is particularly rabid also because you need like a phd to under even understand <laughs> and that's a, one of our questions is when we hire people, it's like, what game do you play? And like, when it's Dota, I'm always like, you got it. <laughs> you get it. And you're, and you're OG, right? You're, you're original. <laughs> Jeff, how about you? Favorite, favorite community, favorite IP? Marvel, hands down. And so we're actually speaking to one of the executives, previous executives at Marvel, and that's going to be launching an uh, IP using NFT technology and, and recreating uh, the magic. And so that was one of the projects got to stay under under NDA, but we are talking to one of the uh, previous executives there. And it's just incredible, the fan base. That's cool. Yeah. Really great. Jeff is one of those uh, Marvel fan <laughs> fanboys too. I mean, they did create an incredible universe. That's it for me, guys. Uh, Cross-examination, uh, prosecution rests, I suppose. So back, back to you, Paul. Um, guys, for those, uh, you know, I think there's so, so many companies, brands, projects that could all benefit from what you guys do. Like for any one of our listeners who are interested in following you guys and reaching out, how do you, how do you want to be followed, found, et cetera? Like what's the best way? Yeah, the best way is, you know, we have a website, crowdcreate.us. We have the socials like Twitter. We have a YouTube channel where we push a lot of our content. So some of those conferences that you spoke of earlier, we publish them all for free because it's just, you know, educate the world and you'll make the world a better place. Uh, and our social handles on Twitter Instagram and all those. And I think the like the numbers speak for itself. I, I'm taking this from your website, guys. Like you've raised $250 million for the the projects you've worked with. You, you've reached seven million people, you know, in the in the projects you've done, 500 successful projects. And like I said, I wasn't exaggerating, literally the who's who 
of the gaming and crypto and Web3 world in terms of your clients. I really, really encourage everyone to reach out um, if you're at all interested in this space. And uh, thank you guys for being on the show. It was amazing. So many great insights. We could probably have done four more episodes like this because I we didn't even tap into half the things on my notes here, but uh, really appreciate you guys being on the show. Jimmy, thank you as always. And just a little bit of housekeeping for our listeners. Don't forget, make sure to follow Business of Esports everywhere on YouTube, on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, you name it. We put a bunch of content on all these platforms, it's different from the podcast and the live stream. Speaking of the live stream, Jimmy mentioned it, Wednesdays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's live. It's all the gaming news from the week. It's a lot of fun. You get to disagree with me, which will be wrong, but you get to try. And, uh, and I promise it's a lot of fun. And don't forget the most important thing, guys. The future is fun. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Esports podcast. Check us out at thebusinessofesports.com and on Twitter at BizEsports. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.